Hello, everybody. How you doing? Welcome back to the next episode of the Guardian Mindset Podcast. As always, I'm attorney Eric Daigle, and I'm just happy to welcome you back to this next episode. Listen, we're going to do a couple of different training aspects here, and one of the things I'm going to start with is today's topic is going to be about traffic stops. Traffic stops, traffic stops. Good old traffic stops. Remember those? Those are the things we used to do when we did proactive police work. And nowadays, we're hoping that proactive police work comes back into style because we know that the benefits of proactive police works of doing traffic stops and how beneficial traffic stops can be to the overall enforcement opportunity in your community. Now, the one thing that we do know is that there's a lot of legal issues surrounding traffic stops. So we're going to look at a handful of cases uh, where defendants sought to suppress evidence by claiming that officers improperly stretch the time and or scope of a lawful traffic stop. So let's talk about this for a second before we dive into first the overarching rule of Rodriguez versus United States, but also the individual uh, court cases that we're going to talk about that come out of court of appeals. Remember, the way that traffic stops are always challenged are usually challenged in three different areas, right? If you take your traffic stop, your motor vehicle stop, and you break it into three sections, you usually start with the first section is the factors that give you the authority to conduct a stop. So part one of three is the reasonable suspicion or probable cause that give you the authority to conduct the traffic stop. Uh, This is always challenged as to whether or not the basis of the stop in and of itself was good enough. The second part, the second category we're going to look at is what was while the stop is occurring. And we usually initiate this portion from the point where the lights go on, you go up to the vehicle, you take the license or registration, you interact with the driver, and you conduct your investigative aspect. Where does the middle portion end? Well, a lot of courts have analyzed that the middle, that the middle portion of a traffic stop, the, what I call the contact phase. So we have the initiation phase, and then we have the contact phase. The contact phase which begins when the lights go on and the car pulls over and ends in the opinion of a lot of courts when the license registration is returned to the driver and the driver and they are free to exit or free to leave the traffic stop. Why is this important? Well, because there's a third portion here. And honestly, the second aspect, the contact phase, usually gets very limited challenges except to say that it was too long. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. The third aspect of the traffic stop is going to be the post-stop interview or the post-stop ritual. And that's how the courts have evaluated it. They're looking at things that occur once the license or registration is returned to the driver. And usually in most states, this is where the consent portion of the search and seizure might occur because you give them back your license or registration, you say, hey, you got any weapons in the car? You got any drugs in the car? You got a bazooka in the car? And they laugh and say no. And you say, well, could I have, would you give me consent to search your car? And they say yes, and you search the car. Um, we usually recommend in training that the individual, that the officer give back uh, the license or registration so that there's no argument of duress that will occur during that application. But one of the things that we want to look at and and as we're going to talk about here is often the claim is that the officers improperly stretch the time and or the scope of a lawful traffic stop. So as we consider the different outcomes of the cases we're going to talk about, 
Look for factors that most critical to courts considering the argument that the officer went outside the lines of a traffic stop. We'll look at the facts of each stop in detail so you can consider what you would do in a similar circumstance. That's because, you know, we want to build that guardian mindset. You know, if you look at the basic application of law governing traffic stops, we know that officers may stop and detain a vehicle upon reasonable suspicion of a traffic offense or a crime. Probable cause to believe a crime or traffic violation has been committed is not required. The scope of the traffic detention will depend upon the reason for the initial stop, as well as the facts developed during the stop. Remember, a court will always look first at the reason for the stop. That's usually the first thing that they took a look, take a look at. If the reason was not lawful, then all the evidence obtained during the stop will likely be suppressed. In all of the cases that we looked at to prepare for this podcast and also doing our Path of the Guardian training, they all went back and referred to the Supreme Court case Rodriguez versus United States. This 2015 Supreme Court case is the legal rule as it comes to analysis. In each of these cases, the, the defendant cited the rule of Rodriguez versus United States, in which the court held a traffic detention must last no longer than necessary to resolve the suspected traffic violation, either by warning, citation, or hearing an explanation from the driver. In fact, the court quoted in this case, 2015, United States Supreme Court, Rodriguez versus United States, the court stated, a stop may last no longer than is necessary to effectuate the initial purpose of the stop. Authority for the seizure thus ends when the tasks tied to the traffic infraction or reasonably should have been completed. Now, I'm going to do a little refresher of for you, and we're going to go back to the uh, just a basic refresher on the issues associated with um, Rodriguez versus United States. Like I said, this is a 2015 case, and before we dive into the local cases, let's let's just take a refreshing look back at the, the legal jurisprudence of the case law that applies. So we're going to start with Rodriguez versus United States. And if you look on our DLG Learning Center, there's actually an article on there that says extension of a traffic stop for the use of a canine. How long is too long? So in this case, an officer observed a motor vehicle veer onto the shoulder of the road and then jerk back onto the roadway. The officer stopped the vehicle for a state law violation, which prohibited traveling on the shoulder of a road. The officer was a canine unit who had his work dog with him that evening. The officer asked why the driver had veered onto the shoulder of the road, to which the driver responded that he was trying to avoid a pothole. The driver produced his license, his registration, and proof of insurance as requested. The passenger also produced his license and answered the officer's questions as requested. The officer issued a driver a written warning, providing the occupants with the documents taken from them and explained the warning. The officer then asked permission to walk his dog around the vehicle. The driver refused. Now, let's just stop for a second because some of you are like, well, wait a minute, I'm confused. So you can see we're in phase three of the traffic stop. The basis for the traffic stop was the driving in the shoulder. 
There was contact, which resulted in an issuance of a written warning and providing back the documentation. And then the officer asked permission to walk his dog around the vehicle, which confused all of us because we're like, well, you don't need permission to walk a dog around the vehicle. A dog is an open air search, you know, because a dog breathes for a living. And that breathing or sniffing is what's used with a dog. Usually in this situation, we would ask the driver for permission to search the vehicle pursuant to consent. But either way, the driver refused. So the driver was instructed to turn off their engine, exit the vehicle, and wait for the front of the wait in the front of the cruiser until a second officer arrived. When the second officer arrived, the officer led his dog, who was there during the complete traffic stop, around the car twice, alerted for the presence of, of narcotics, which revealed a large bag of methamphetamine. Um, important here was the time frame. The, from the conclusion of the traffic stop, which was the issuance of the license and registration, to the dog walking around the car was approximately seven or eight minutes. And therefore, that was the aspect that the court was looking at. The court came back, as we said, and we're talking about Rodriguez versus, uh, we're talking about Rodriguez versus United States 2015 Supreme Court case. The court said, we hold that a police stop exceeding the time needed to handle the matter and for which the stop was made violates the Constitution's shield against unreasonable searches and seizures. A seizure justified only by a police-observed traffic violation therefore becomes unlawful if it is prolonged beyond the time reasonably required to complete the mission of issuing a ticket for the violation. So, this clearly articulates the rule in the application of the rule as it applies to, uh, to the application of a traffic stop. So the reason why I decided to do a podcast on this was because as I was taping my Path to the Guardians for this week, I noticed that there was multiple cases dealing with the same issue. So let's start with the first one. The first one is a Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals case that recently came out in 2022. In the name of the case is United States versus Goodwill. So the case, this case comes from the Seventh Circuit and asks the question, how long is too long during a traffic stop? So again, we're going back to evaluating the same issue that we did over seven years ago. Officers in our case today had suspicion of drug activity and used what could potentially be seen as a stalling tactic to ensure that a canine would arrive on the scene. And the case starts out by going back and looking at the 2015 Supreme Court case of Rodriguez versus United States, where the, the court says a seizure justified only by police observed traffic violations becomes unlawful if it is prolonged beyond the time reasonably required to complete the mission of issuing a ticket for the violation. So what we said before is this means that you have to let someone go after you complete writing the ticket. So what do we know about this case? So this Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals case, United States versus Goodwill, says Detective Jonathan Roseman and Matthew Hun saw William Goodwill driving a vehicle with windows tinted noticeably darker than allowed by Illinois law and followed him to a nearby rest stop. The detectives relayed this information to dispatch, who notified all marked units in the area, including an officer with a drug-sniffing canine who started driving towards the scene. When the detectives initiated the traffic stop at approximately 1.58 p.m., Detective Roseman approached Goodwill and requested his driver's license and insurance information. 
He then asked Goodwill to come sit in his squad car while he processed the paperwork, to which Goodwill agreed. Once Goodwill sat down in the police car, Detective Roseman performed a records check, utilizing two law enforcement databases. During this time, Detective Roseman asked Goodwill questions about his car, the weather, his child, his length of stay in the area, and any plans for his time there, along with his driving history. At about 2.02 p.m., Detective Roseman received confirmation from his database checks that Goodwill's information was accurate. At 2.03 p.m., Detective Roseman began filling out a hard copy of the written warning citation. While writing the warning, Detective Roseman asked Goodwill about his job, the vehicle Goodwill was driving, and whether Goodwill had taken any drugs or medication. During this time, one of the detectives had also messaged the canine unit to hurry it up. At 2.07 p.m., the officer arrived with the canine. One minute later, before completing the warrant, Detective Roseman asked Goodwill if he would consent to the drug dog sniffing around his car. Again, I'm not really sure why they're doing that. The dog has the right to walk around the car and search, but this is following the same fact pattern as we saw in Rodriguez versus United States. Goodwill agreed four times to allow this search. Detective Roseman then returned to writing up the warning while the officer walked around the car with the drug dog. The dog alerted to the presence of illegal drugs, and the officers searched the car and found two kilograms of cocaine. The government charged Goodwill with possession of cocaine with intent to distribute. Goodwill filed a motion to suppress the drugs, arguing that the officers unlawfully prolonged the duration of the stop by one asking Goodwill to relocate the squad car while relocate to the squad car while the paperwork was being processed. Number two, asking questions that were unrelated to the traffic offense. And three, conducting the dog sniff without his consent. The district court denied the motion. Goodwill subsequently pled guilty, reserving the right to appeal. So the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals affirmed the district court's ruling. First, the court recognized that a police officer can ask a driver to sit in the police car for the duration of the traffic stop with any, without any particularized suspicion that the driver is dangerous or otherwise poses a threat to the officer. The court also noted that a traffic stop can last only long enough to complete the mission of the stop, that is, to address the traffic violation that warranted the stop and attend to related safety concerns. An officer may ask questions concerning matters unrelated to the reason for the traffic stop as long as those questions do not prolong the stop beyond, and this always in a quote, beyond the time reasonably required to complete the mission. In this case, the court agreed with the district court, which found that Officer Roseman worked diligently on the warning as he was asking questions, which did not unreasonably prolong the duration of the stop. The court used an example. He, they said, for example, Officer Roseman continued to check Goodwill's driver's license and vehicle information on the police computer, then waited for returns from the database and finally wrote the warning while he asked Goodwill questions. Finally, an officer does not need a driver's consent to conduct a dog sniff during a lawful traffic stop. If it does not prolong the stop, given that the officers were still processing the paperwork for the stop when the canine unit arrived, the court held that they did not need Goodwill's consent to conduct the search. So as you can see in the Goodwill case, as you can see from the first case that we talked about, one of the very straightforward issues that we're looking at is the issues addressing the length of the stop of Mr. Goodwill.
So let's go back to the Seventh Circuit again for a second case, which is a case called United States versus Cole. In this case, uh, also deals with another traffic violation, also deals with another prolonged stop, and also deals with the state of Illinois. So in this case, the court decided to dig a little deeper into the Supreme Court decision from 2015, Rod- Rodriguez versus United States, and we're focused on some of the issues that came up in the prior case of United States versus Goodell. The thing that I want you to focus on here is that this stop, the stop in United States versus Cole, took about 45 minutes to complete. And that should automatically say, well, there's going to be an uphill battle here. In fact, one of the things I often recommend to young officers is that I'm not going to tell you, and the law is not going to tell you, how long you should conduct a traffic stop. But there is one rule of thumb, kind of like a Terry stop. The more or longer the stop is, the more you better be writing about it. The more you better be articulating your reason for. So let's take a look at the United States versus Cole. So Illinois State Trooper Clayton Chapman stopped a vehicle driven by Mr. Cole for following too closely to another vehicle in violation of Illinois law. Cole produced his Arizona driver's license and a California registration document for the vehicle. When asked about the documents issued by two different states, Cole offered, hey, listen, I'm a chef. I spend most of my time between Los Angeles, Maryland, and New York at work, but I genuinely had a job in Arizona, and I kept his driver's license because of the expiration date. Approximately four minutes into the traffic stop, Trooper Clayton began to ask Cole about his travel plans. Cole told the trooper that he was going to Maryland because he was a personal chef, and that is where his boss lived. When asked where his trip began, Cole did not answer the question initially, but said that he had met up with some family and friends in Colorado. Cole eventually told Trooper Chapman that his trip began in Maryland and that that was where he was going. When Trooper Chapman asked Cole where he lived, Cole said he spent most of his time in Los Angeles, but he was planning to move to Florida. When Trooper Chapman asked him why he did not fly, Cole told him that he had a car and that he travels with pots, sometimes because he was a chef. Trooper Chapman thought that Cole's travel description sounded vague and made up. In addition, Cole appeared extremely nervous during the stop. Among other physical symptoms, Cole was breathing heavily and his neck was sweaty. Less than nine minutes into the stop, Trooper Chapman told Cole that he was going to issue him a warning. He also explained that they would have to relocate to a nearby gas station for a safety reason. Cole returned to his own car and then drove separately to the gas station. At the gas station, the trooper continued to question Cole about his travel plans. He regarded Cole's answers as increasingly suspicious. He also learned from dispatch that Cole had been arrested three times on drug trafficking charges. About 45 minutes after the stop began, a canine unit arrived and a drug-sniffing dog alerted to Cole's car. Officers searched the car and found large quantities of methamphetamine and heroin. The government charged Cole with possession with intent to distribute 500 grams or more of methamphetamine and heroin. Cole filed a motion to suppress the drugs found in his car in his statements during the stop. Cole argued that the trooper unlawfully initiated the stop and then unreasonably prolonged it without reasonable suspicion of criminal activity. 
The district court denied Cole's motion, so Cole appealed. In a three-judge panel, the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals reversed the district court's denial. Subsequently, most of the judges of the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals vacated the panel's opinion and voted to grant a rehearing in front of the entire Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. So, let's take a look at what arguments were made in this case. First, Cole argued that the district court failed to consider the speed of other cars, traffic, and road conditions when it held that Trooper Chapman lawfully stopped him for following too closely behind another vehicle. The court noted that it was not relevant whether Cole violated the statute, but whether the trooper reasonably believed that he saw Cole commit a traffic violation. At the suppression hearing, Trooper Chapman testified that Cole was less than two car lengths behind the vehicle in front of him when he decided to stop him. The court added that the magistrate judge credited Trooper Chapman's testimony and made an express finding of fact that Cole was following too closely behind the other vehicle. Cole did not challenge this finding on appeal. Next, Cole argued that Trooper Chapman unlawfully prolonged the duration of the traffic stop by inquiring about Cole's travel plans. Cole cited Rodriguez when making this argument. However, because it was not an issue in Rodriguez, the court did not decide if asking a driver travel plan-related questions were among the ordinary inquiries of a traffic stop. Although Rodriguez did not address whether travel plans questions were permissible during a traffic stop, the court provided a framework for answering that question. Specifically, the court found that the lower courts faced with this issue should ask, quote, whether in the totality of circumstances, reasonable travel plan questions, like the ordinary inquiries of a stop, are justified by the traffic violation itself or by the related concerns of the highway and officer safety. Applying the Rodriguez framework to this case, the court held that the travel plan questions are routine inquiries that reasonably relate to the underlying traffic violation and roadway safety. Therefore, such questions ordinarily fall within the mission of a traffic stop. First, the court found that travel plan questions provide important context for a violation at hand. For example, if a driver was speeding in order to get his pregnant wife to the hospital, then perhaps his extenuating circumstances might persuade an officer to issue a warning or simply release the driver. Also, a driver's travel plans may affect an officer's assessment of roadway safety concerns beyond the immediate violation. For example, an officer investigating a broken taillight has a legitimate interest in knowing whether the driver is two miles from home or halfway through a cross-country trip. The court added that every circuit that has faced this issue of whether travel plans questions ordinarily fall within the mission of the traffic stop since Rodriguez in 2015 was decided has reached the same conclusion. The 1st, the 3rd, the 5th, the 8th, and the 11th circuit. Finally, the courts cautioned that an officer's travel plans questions like the officer's other actions during the stop, must remain reasonable based on the totality of the circumstances surrounding the stop. Applying these principles here, the court held that Trooper Chapman's travel plan questions during the initial roadside detention fell within the mission of the traffic stop and did not unlawfully prolong the traffic stop. So, plot twist. 
This stop was not prolonged, and time has nothing to do with the framework in Rodriguez. What the court really examines is the natural progression of probable cause in your investigative police work. As the court and Trooper Chapman established reasonable suspicion nine minutes into the stop, much like a good interview, sometimes time is the enemy of your suspect. Cole talked himself right into his ultimate arrest, and he showed physical signs of stress through the conversation. A major addition to our takeaways from Rodriguez includes that travel plan questions are routine inquiries that reasonably relate to the underlying traffic violation and roadway safety. Therefore, such questions ordinarily fall within the mission of a traffic stop. As the Seventh Court of Appeals, Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals noted, this also rings true in cases that have come up in the First, Third, Fifth, Eighth, and Eleventh Circuits. So, as we wrap this up, I hope that you're getting back out there doing traffic stops. I hope that you're focusing on separating your traffic stops into three categories, the information that have led to the stop, the contact in the second phase, and the prolonged or the post-interaction uh, stops. Now, the key to this is always make sure that you are using safety to your benefit and make sure that you are articulating the steps that you use. And like I said, the goal to an argument which you know you're going to get especially in a delayed traffic stop, is why did the stop take so long? Remember my request, the longer you conduct a traffic stop, the more you better be writing about it to articulate the delay. Till next time, help those who need your help, protect those who need your protection, and most importantly, keep yourself and others safe. Thank you.